ouch. <laughs> just got burned by the fire here. Yeah. <laughs> we're walking through the fire and everyone's like, my arm. <laughs> and with that, welcome back to In the Fire. Uh, today is, I have July 12th written on my outline. Today is June 12th. I'm a month ahead. Uh, anyway, we're recording on June 12th. We'll probably be released tomorrow, June 13th. But welcome back to the fire here with Thomas and Peter. I'll ask you guys how we're doing today. I'm doing great. You know, that was my favorite intro that that we've done. That was fantastic. (laughs) Made my day. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep, made my day. Now we can start off. Good. Start talking about the Bible. (laughs) Yes, we can. And we can go ahead and get right into it here. Um, we're going to be jumping today through a few books, all of which we've looked at before in some capacity. Um, so if you listen to the podcast in the past, you'll maybe hear some things that are familiar to you. Uh, we'll touch on a couple of things that might bring back some memories of earlier episodes. Uh, I might encourage you to go listen to those. So feel free to do that along the way. Um, the topic, yeah, the, the topic for today is friendship. Seems simple, but it's very important. Um, The Bible has kind of several examples of friendship. Some very obvious that I think if you read the Bible in any way or uh, you're familiar with it, that you'll know. And then a lot of maybe more obscure friendships that are still important. Um, But for all of them, I think we can look to them and learn from them and even base our friendships off of them and know why they're important. So that's what we're going to look at today. The question being, what is true friendship? And then more importantly, why does it matter in our lives? Mm. Who's ready? I am. <laughs> I'm glad you're ready. Otherwise, this episode would have ended right there. <laughs> uh, the first place we're going to look is in the book of Ecclesiastes. I actually had this idea because I was reading through Ecclesiastes and read this chapter and saw this and thought it might be a good podcast episode. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter four is where we're at. If you're listening, you want to flip there. I'll go ahead and read this. We're going to read verses nine through 12. The value of a friend is my heading. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Mm. Almost reads like a proverb. Which kind of makes sense because this is Solomon. uh, At least most people think so. Who wrote Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. A lot of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wise words. Wise words indeed. You guys have any thoughts as we read that for the first time here? And if you're listening, read it again and read it along as we talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a pretty, it's just a pretty solid, like, true statement, you know? Like, two are better than one. Like, four hands better than two hands, you know? And if you have someone beside you to walk along through life it just makes life a little bit easier because i I mean you can lean on them when you need to it's like the song lean on me when you're not strong you know it's just easier to go through life and if they're a believer you know you're both going to be going through the same trials and temptations and it'll be easier to if you have somebody doing doing that alongside you than going alone um being a lone wolf is like super cool and edgy. You can like be a cowboy riding alone through the desert. Um, but it's a lonely life. It's a lonely life. It's a hard life. You know, mm-hmm. if you have two cowboys riding alone, then it's fun. You know, you got, you got your friend with you. Um, yeah. There's a certain like loneliness when you don't have anybody around you. And this saying that it's better with more than one, I think is quite observable and quite true. Yeah, it's it's a straightforward message, I think. Um, and I think anyone... I mean, it's kind of obvious, you know, too hard. Like, when you have... When you fall, or when you um, are 
cold in the or cold in the middle of nowhere or something. It's better to have a friend with you. <laughs> keep you warm, you know. I think it is straightforward, but then it's also in my mind reassuring to you know, like there's a purpose why God gives you these friendships to people in your life so that they can keep you and sustain you. Um, yeah, it's like uh, I think of you know, like Frodo and Sam in Lord of the Rings. Like imagine if <laughs> Frodo did it all alone, you know, or didn't have Sam with him and vice versa. You know, it's, <laughs> you, you can't, I mean, it's hard to imagine like how, how, how hard it could have, would have been if they didn't have one another to lean on. Um, or like in Shawshank Redemption uh, <laughs> to lean on as well. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You think about that any, I mean, a lot of good, stories out there you have two people and i think that's very true for the bible it's hard to think of really you know any character in the bible who does it alone um i think there are some probably examples i don't know if joseph or uh, daniel here and there but you know it's kind of like they're not alone they've got god right there with them obviously and that's true for a lot of people in the bible and uh, true for us but you look elsewhere in the Bible, and we're going to get into some examples. Um, there's always more than one person who, you know, where you're helping sustain each other, helping carry on, carry forward, and perform these good works. So um, I think these four verses sum that up pretty well. Yeah. No man is an Island. Exactly. <laughs> Crusoe needs his ponton. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you know, you guys hit on, the, on a key topic here. And if you read around this section in Ecclesiastes, you read like verse eight above it. Um, there's one alone without companion. Uh, and, it, you know, it says his vanity and grave misfortune is just toiling for himself. And uh, so loneliness, I think, and this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes is getting at here. It can lead to a lot of harmful, other harmful things. Um it can lead you to do things that you don't want to do, make decisions that you would not. When you're alone, you're a little more, um, you know, what's the word? I'm most susceptible to falling into certain traps and whatnot. Um, and friendship seems to be the ultimate cure for this. And that's what we're getting, I think, in this chapter. And I, I personally love verses 10 and 12. Specifically, out of all of these four verses, um, mm -hmm. for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. Uh, but if he is alone who falls, he has no one to help him up. That reminds me of uh, people like David and Jonathan, which is going to be the first friendship we're going to look at here in just a minute. Um, but it also brought to mind for me, and I had to look this up, it's in the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, when Jesus and his disciples are kind of at earlier on in their ministry um and jesus kind of sends out the 12 to you know perform good works to even work miracles to spread this good news about jesus around and he says jesus specifically mark makes a note that jesus sent them out two by two and the quote is and gave them power over unclean spirits and then they have a lot of success. They cast out demons, anoint with oil, many who are sick and healed them. Uh, and I think there's a reason that he sends them out two by two. He sends them out with a friend, you know, and if Jesus is doing that, that shows us the value of a friend there. Yeah, most definitely. Mm -hmm. I think also, it's a good thing to pick up on. Oh, sorry, Peter, go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Thomas. Right. It's a good, cool thing to pick up on because obviously all the disciples are pretty young in their faith and like Jesus knows they can't do it alone. And so he makes sure that they have somebody close to them, go with them to do it together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I also really like the, the idea of the threefold cord, which is mentioned in verse 12. Um, you know, when, when two friends love Christ more than anything else, and that is Christ being the third cord, then they can humbly serve one another and, in essence, you know, put aside their own self-interest and console, encourage, and build up one another when needed, uh, when they really have that bond of Christ also tied in there. Um, that That's a strong friendship right there. 
Yeah, it is. And that's used a lot, like that verse for marriages, and which makes sense, things like that, where, you know, you want God to be the center of it. I like verse 12 also. The first thing I thought of actually when I read it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> our, um, our uh, inspiration, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the the verse doesn't specifically say a threefold chord is not quickly broken. And that third, it doesn't specifically say like the third chord is God, although he's as good a third chord as you can get um but you know it also i think kind of this part speaks to yeah two friends are great but if you had a third friend in there then even better and Mm -hmm. that's what shadrach meshach and abednego have and as we you know from that story they quickly have a fourth friend with them in the fire so yeah you know more friends the better it is yeah imagine trying to break a cord of four strings (laughs) (laughs) rough it's like what is it rise of the planet of the apes or when uh, the one ape pulls the one stick and breaks it and goes apes alone weak and then he has a whole bunch of them and he can't break them ape together strong (laughs) what a great picture if you've seen that movie then you know what I'm talking about (laughs) he's the big uh, the big uh, circus orangutan I think does that ah the big one but anyways I he's one of my favorite characters (laughs) (laughs) he is a good one for sure but now as as we continue on with this episode keep these four verses in mind and keep them marked in your bible if you're listening reading along with us because everything we'll talk about we'll be able to relate back to here and uh what you know true friendship looks like what friends are for um i did find a quote because this kind of sounds like you know an actual proverb here I found a quote from the Iliad by Homer who says, it's a little poem here. Here we go. When two together go, each for the other is first to think what is, what best will help his brother. But one who walks alone, though wise in mind, a purpose slow and counsel weak we find. Mm. Yep. I really like that. And the, the, of wise and of wise of mind. Because if you're a person and you're you, you're a wise person, you might think, "Oh, I can just do this all alone," mm-hmm. but that only goes so far. It's more important to have another person with you, at least another one more person with you to help sustain you and carry you when you need to. True. Don't be too proud to have the need for a friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, let's take a look at some examples here. So examples of biblical friendship. The first one that I think would come to mind for many, and that's why we're going to look at it, because it's probably the best example of pure friendship that we get in the Bible, um, is given to us courtesy of David and Jonathan, who is the son of Saul, king in Israel before David. So I'm going to start us off here by reading a section out of 1 Samuel. Chapter 18. Let me flip over to it. And this is talking about the relationship between these two. So Saul is kind of starting to persecute David at this point. We've talked about David's life before, before he was king in other episodes and how Saul, um, as a quick recap here, Saul was king before David. David became, I mean, he was anointed king essentially by God while Saul was in power. David would be the next king. Saul started to kind of get wind of this, felt threatened, and then he set out to kill David. Um, And Jonathan, Saul's son, and David became very close friends over this time period. So 1 Samuel 18, the beginning of this chapter says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, it was David. Or this is Jonathan, I think. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and belt. I just really like those four verses. Wow. The the wording that's used there, specifically in verse one, the soul of David was knit to the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. I think that's just cool. Yeah. Soul brothers, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) 
Soul Brothers. Seven Soul Sisters. <laughs> yes. Good song by Train. <laughs> Shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> shameless plug for train uh, yeah, but, but it's, yeah, it's really really cool yeah and I, I like the word covenant especially here mm-hmm. because it's like Jonathan has like decided he's like you I'm going to love you right and just like God's covenant with Israel Jonathan made a covenant with David yeah, it's and you don't cool. see that word that much. I mean, you see it, I think, a lot throughout the Bible, but you don't see it that much referring to anything other than God's covenant with his people, with us. Right. So it's cool to see in this context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just another example of, like, love being a choice, too. Mm. And friendship being a choice. It's like you choose to be friends with people, even through the good and the bad. Sure. Yeah, and then as a, as a deeper example of their friendship, First uh, Samuel twenty is a it's a longer chapter. It's forty some verses, and also I'm not going to read the whole thing. But for a quick um, just overview of what happens at this point in David's life, he is being persecuted by Saul. He's being chased by Saul. Saul has tried to kill him a few times. Uh, if you know this story, you know like Saul was. <laughs> A spear at David, does that a couple times. He really makes it clear that he does not want David alive because David is a threat to his throne. Um, and at this point, David and Jonathan come together, still best of friends, and they hatch this little plan where Saul has this big feast and David comes to Jonathan and says, hey, I'm not going to come to this feast. I'm going to you know, like tell your dad, tell Saul that I am going back to my home in Bethlehem for a sacrifice like a a ritual sacrifice that my family does and then he says like if Saul reacts positively to this news then I'm going to be safe and I'm probably okay to come back to Saul's house here and live with you and be in the kingdom but if Saul reacts negatively and he's angry David says in that case then I'm likely going to be he's likely going to come and try to kill me so Jonathan and David hatch a plan uh, to secretly (laughs) send a message. Jonathan's going to send a message to David about how Saul is actually feeling here. Jonathan's going to get the inside scoop on whether or not Saul's going to come and try to kill David, and he's going to pass that message to his best friend. And if it's good news, David can stay. But if it's bad news, David is going to run and flee the country, flee the land, and he's going to go strike it out on his own for a little bit. Um, And he does end up having like a little army of people with him, so he's not entirely alone. But he's going to be chased by Saul. And we know that ends up happening. So Saul does react negatively to the news that David is not there. He makes it clear that he's, you know, out to get David. And Jonathan goes and warns David um, and lets him know this news. They embrace each other. They give each other a hug. They cry. We see at the end of this chapter. And then David goes off and leaves Jonathan because his his buddy warned him about it. Um, And I, I think it's just it's a really neat portion of scripture because Jonathan is the son of the king. Uh, so it's a yeah. great example of this self-sacrifice. Jonathan's next in line to be king. He would be king when Saul dies, but he is willing to give all of that up for David, who, you know, in Saul's eyes, like has no right to be king. Yes, he's been anointed by God, but this should be tradition. The, the son of the king becomes the next king. Um, but Jonathan gives it up for David, which I think is just very selfless. And then David honors that, and he honors his friendship to Jonathan and takes care of Jonathan's family and Jonathan's mm-hmm. kids, too, Yep, which is really cool. That's a good point. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's so much to so much great stuff to unpack in their relationship. Um, going back to the the cord of three strands thing, so God is you can see God at the center of this relationship, um, especially with Jonathan. You know, his humility to say, "No, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna give up my own power, prestige, and safety that would come with being the heir to the throne. I'm gonna give it to David, and I'm gonna protect David." Um, and then David reciprocates it also later, as we mentioned. Um, you can see that, yeah, that self-sacrifice 
that care for one another more than they care about themselves. You can see God at the center of that relationship, which is, yeah, it, it really is a great, great example of friendship. One of the best in the Bible. Mm-hmm. For sure. And if you read the chapter, First Samuel uh, 20, the things they say to each other, like Jonathan is constantly saying um, things like, and as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. At the end, when Jonathan says goodbye to David, he says, go in peace, since we both have sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And then David leaves. And as they hatch this plan, they, you know, they very much rely on the Lord to lead them along this path and to make sure, like, to give them the signs, like, okay, Jonathan's sitting there, Saul's mad. Okay, that's the sign that Saul's going to come kill David. Now I'm going to go out, and this plan works perfectly. It's sad that they have to part ways, but it works out, and God's got to be there. So I do think it's a perfect illustration of that threefold chord. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to bring in an interesting or a, a cool chapter here from Psalms. It's Psalm 133, um, written by David. Um, Obviously, like what we just talked about here with Jonathan, David, David's being pretty much hunted by Saul and he's has a ton of other dire circumstances that he um, faces in his life. Um, and so when he has a friend who helps him, he really recognized the importance of and you can see it in Psalm 133. It's unknown when exactly it was written, but you have to assume it's sometime during these, these trials and tribulations that David is going through. Um, it's just three verses. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. It's, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So for as terrible as um, and hostile of circumstances that he's faced, and he's been estranged during his life and faced disunity he recognizes the pleasantness and goodness of true friendship and the unity that that brings um so that sort of is some more just more context to what david thinks of friendship and you can i mean it's reasonable to assume that he could be talking about his friendship with uh jonathan here it is and that's that's why i love this book so much first samuel specifically um and why uh, i'll go ahead and say it outside of jesus i think david's my favorite person to read about in the bible um before he's king and when he is king and i i really love it because you can look at the parallels between first samuel and the psalms and second samuel and the psalms when you can see what's happening in david's life and then you can flip over to psalms and see what he's saying about it what he's actually feeling some of those line up perfectly where we've been able to trace when he writes a psalm some we're not entirely sure but still you can kind of track that back and forth and i just really think that's fascinating mm-hmm. yep yeah uh, another thing to note in this chapter in verse eight david is talking to jonathan um and Kind of, he says, but if Esau is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. So that's when they're determining, like, if Saul is mad, he can kill me. Then he says, therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. So he's talking to Jonathan, and David has been anointed king, which means Jonathan's kind of a threat to him as the king, as the son of the king. But also, um, you know, he probably has a little more authority than Jonathan in reality, but he's still referring to himself as your servant, as Jonathan's servant, which Mm. is another good example of friendship. These two are going back and forth on who can be more selfless to the other. It's like, it's a challenge between the two. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do this for you. No, I'll do this for you. No, I'll do this for you. And David gets the last laugh because uh, yeah. after Jonathan dies, as Thomas said, he does watch over Jonathan's family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you David's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I get to care for your family. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Ultimate one-up. <laughs> ultimate. So that's, 
or the last word of servitude. <laughs> that is David and Jonathan, which I think, again, one of the best examples of friendship that we have throughout Scripture. And there's a lot more that could be said, but I think you'll learn lessons of selflessness, kindness, humility, uh, servanthood between the two. And, you know, that kind of unconditional love that they show for each other. The um, second example I came up with, and we won't spend a lot of time on it because we've talked about this in detail in the past, is between Ruth and Naomi. In the book of Ruth, you can go back and listen to our podcast titled Ruth. I don't know. Do you guys have any highlights from that book? If you can remember that we want to share real quick about why that relationship is so important. I'm sure. Actually, I just pulled up the book now, and I remember reading this off when we did the episode, but verse 17 in Ruth chapter 1. Um, so this is when, so Naomi, uh, so Naomi and his hus- her husband, Elimelech, go to Moab, but then on their way, Elimelech dies, and then eventually Naomi's two sons also die, and then Ruth is one of the sister-in-laws of one of the dead sons so she's now a widow um and she really has no reason to stay with naomi anymore um but she chooses to stick with her an ultimate ultimate sign or awesome sign of sacrificial love there um especially because naomi is now a middle uh, older middle-aged woman who pretty much has nothing going for her she's a widow um and ruth still has you know she can go back to her hometown and she has a lot of life ahead of her um but she decides to stick with Naomi and then this is this is what Ruth says about that having um just voluntarily choosing to stick with her she says entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you for wherever you go I will go and wherever you lodge I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God my God wherever you die I will die and there will there will I be buried the Lord do so to me anything uh but death parts you and me so yeah that's <laughs> ruth has no reason to stick with naomi but um but just only out of love does so which is a, a beautiful picture of friendship amen yeah it's commitment i think you said that perfectly yeah. um yeah it's just ruth chooses to be with naomi you know the the easier thing would to choose to go back to home and back to her her father or her mother's house and just be there but she decided to push on and be with Naomi which is really cool yeah it's a deep enough love where you're totally dedicated to the other we see that with Jonathan and David we see that with Ruth and Naomi and you flip back to what we see in Ecclesiastes and it's the idea here like you know one of them falls Naomi falls Ruth is there to help her Ruth is there to pick her up and to keep going along and to keep going alongside of each other. So, you know, neither of them would have made it as far as they did without the other. I think we can say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most um, if, if you want more on Ruth, you can go back and find that episode. It was not too long ago, maybe five or six episodes ago. <laughs> it yep. is titled Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> yes, it is. You can't miss it. <laughs> episode twenty six. Episode twenty six. So, yeah, It'll just grab your attention as you scroll through our episodes. <laughs> Exclamation point really makes it stand out. It does. <laughs> the the next one we're gonna look at is kind of a cool one. Um they're all kind of cool. This is gonna be between Jesus and Peter, or Simon Peter, or Simon. <laughs> Feel free to call him any of those things. This is gonna be in John chapter. 21 and peter i believe is going to read this this is i am called the restoration of peter john 21 verses 15 through 23 so when they had eaten breakfast jesus said to simon peter simon son of jonah do you love me more than these he said to him yes lord you know that i love you he said to him feed my lambs he said to him again a second time Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you, gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on, leaned on his breast at the supper. And Peter said to him, said to Jesus, the Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out as hard as hard versus to read. Don't <laughs> worry. The saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he re- remain till I come, what is that to you? All right, there you go. Right, so he won't get into too <laughs> specifics with what's going on here because it is kind of confusing. Also, I almost when I read this the first time, and I feel like every time I read through this little bit, and then when you were saying it, I have to laugh when <laughs> he says, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." And Jesus says, "Feed my lambs." <laughs> like, like, what? Tend <laughs> 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 my sheep. <laughs> Just the, the the natural that's the natural flow of conversation right there. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Peter, I had a, do you want yeah, a ham sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Feed uh, my lambs. <laughs> basically, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a little um challenging to read there. I wish I had rehearsed it beforehand. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But there's, important, there's important verses nonetheless. Oh, important and we're looking more at the meaning behind them like the general meaning behind them maybe with an episode in the future more specifically about this <laughs> oh yes um, for sure but so again this is called the restoration of peter because if you know the story of jesus's death crucifixion trial you know that peter's the one who says beforehand like jesus i'll never deny you i'll never like you know claim not to follow you and jesus says oh yes you will and then he does uh, three times that night. Uh, someone sees him in the crowd at Jesus' trial and asks, hey, don't you know this man? Don't you, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And Peter says, no. And he says it three times. He says, I don't know him. Um, and so he's hurt by that. I'm sure Jesus at some level is hurt by that. Uh, but this is Jesus' kind of public forgiveness, restoration of this disciple who's almost you know, the leader of all the disciples. And I think it's just, this shows forgiveness and friendship for me. Jesus is the ultimate chief at forgiving people. Mm. Um, but he does it here very clearly, I think. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead, Peter. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, Peter is um, a kind of a stubborn, brash character. Like he's... Mm-hmm. Um, like he's, he's reminds me of someone. We all are at some point. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah, we are. And Peter is he's a good example of this. He messes up many times throughout the Bible. Um, you know, he cuts off uh, when Jesus is uh, in prison or captured. He cuts off someone one of the soldiers ears uh and obviously what you mentioned justin he denies uh jesus three times also um but he also loves jesus and god and has a good heart and a great part of this relationship between jesus and peter is uh jesus correcting peter when he um and calling him out when he makes mistakes um and that's obviously in a friendship you want to you need correction. You can't just ignore when someone messes up. Um, you have to be constructive to one another. I think that's you know, a true sign of friendship. Uh, and you see that greatly with Jesus and Peter here. And also the forgiveness aspect too um, is, such a, is such a great thing and another great aspect. Obviously, Jesus is the ultimate sign of forgiveness and forgiver. But um, 
it does paint a great picture of how friendship friendship should look in general. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Um, there's also a cool thing to note here that there are, I believe, four different kinds of love used in Hebrew. I don't know them all off the top of my head, um, but I had a conversation with somebody earlier this week. Really cool guy. Um, but he, he told me, and he actually brought this passage up, and that Peter uses a different kind of love when he the first two times. And then on the third time, he repeats the same word that Jesus uses for love in, in Hebrew, slash Greek. Greek, I think. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of cool. Too, so. Wow, yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah, and I think those hit on some good things. You know, uh, forgiveness is the big thing I see here, but also the idea of challenging. And I'm sure Jesus challenged Peter a little more than the other way. And I think we definitely see that throughout the, the Gospels. You know, these two are very close. And Peter, again, is kind of this leader of these 12 disciples. Um, and so when Jesus challenges him to, hey, step out of the boat, walk on the water, come see me. Or when he or corrects him, when he chops off the ear of that this Roman soldier, right? And Jesus puts it back on. <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, that's not okay. We can't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he denies him, and Jesus kind of here, you can see Jesus pushing him. Like, Peter denies him, and he knows that's not good. And Jesus is like, it's not a good thing that you denied me, but it's okay. But I'm going to push you to realize the bigger picture here almost. Tend my sheep. <laughs> Feed my sheep. Feed and my lambs. It's almost like, what are you talking about? But Jesus is going to push him on to figure that out. Um, and, of course, Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is God here, so he's got a little more authority to stand on <laughs> almost than we do like in our friendships but it's still something that we can do i think mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and we're not going to be able to make anyone walk on the water over to us but again <laughs> we can challenge people to push themselves a little bit yeah especially your friends agreed yeah. and you look at where peter ended up after you know jesus pushed him to you know to improve upon himself and become better you know I mean, Jesus' forgiveness, but also his correction and his pushing him. Um, it was so constructive that, you know, Peter became a type of person that you could build a Christian church upon. And you see that, you know, if you keep following beyond John into Acts, you can, really, mm-hmm. um, you can really see the type of leader that Peter is. Mm-hmm. He's a good one. He is. I can. I can confirm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, Thomas, I've got this um, thing here. My Bible has a little note: the restoration of Peter. It says three times the Lord asked Peter if Peter loved him. The first two times, Christ used the word agapao, mm-hmm. signifying a love of <laughs> commitment, a love of the will. Peter responded with the word phileo, indicating his strong emotion for the Lord. The word suggests warmth, fondness, and friendship. The third time Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, he used the word phileo, indicating strong friendship. Hmm. So. Cool. Jesus pushes him to take it to another level. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that note. Um, anything yeah. last? Anything last to say here? Or are we good to flip to our next example? I'm good if you guys are. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. This next one's going to come out of the book of Luke, and we'll cover this quickly because it's kind of a story that most people have heard before. But it's it's the idea of being a friend to those that we don't even really know that well, and we'll leave it at that and flip over to Luke chapter ten, verses twenty nine through thirty seven. Here it is. I believe is reading this. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and saw him. He had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you need, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. The parable of the Good Samaritan. A good parable. And uh, yeah, I think it kind of points to the idea of friendship. Like, be a friend to anyone you come across. You might not know them super well, so you might not be at that level where, hey, you can challenge them like Jesus says, Peter. You have this covenant relationship like David and Jonathan, or you can stick through this thin and thin like Ruth and Naomi, but you can still be a, a friendly, helpful person to them. You can still be a friend on some level. So, you know, mm-hmm. go out and show some selfless compassion. Amen. You never, you never know what other people are going through. Um, you never, you don't know if they need a friend or not. And so, um, you know, it's it, it can go a long way to just go out of your way, even if it's um, sacrificing a little bit of comfort or inconvenience to just, um, I don't know, just to anyone you come across, just act friendly. And then also, if you even if you don't have a deep relationship with someone yet just to start get to know somebody. You, you really don't know when someone else is, needs a friend until you truly start to develop a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one note I wanted to make here, the one examples we've looked at to this point have been relationships between uh, fellow believers, fellow Christians. Uh, this kind of, I don't know if the this man who was beat by the thieves and, and robbed, if he was a believer and, in Jesus, if he was, you know, um, fell on that side, or, but regardless, this good Samaritan man shows him compassion, and he helps him out, and he helps him out a lot, actually, according to my Bible, verse 35, when he gave the innkeeper two denarii, that pays for 24 days at the inn, if it was a standard, typical rate at an inn at that time, so, you know, he's very helpful here. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's doing that for someone he doesn't know if they're you know so I think it shows like we don't get to see if these two had any sort of relationship after this I'm assuming not um, but be friendly to everyone because who knows what can happen if you do who knows how this guy's life changed because he was helped this much by some random stranger yeah. maybe that's something that led him into a, you know saying, hey, why would this guy help me like this? And then he looks into that and thinks, well, he has heard of this guy named Jesus. What do you know? Who's he? And then that path starts. You never know when being a friend to anyone will lead to something greater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. True. All right. Uh, looks like we have one more example down here. On my little outline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I Did wanted one of to... you to write this. <laughs> I believe it was Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I th- also think another example that came to my mind that I think is a great example of friendship in the Bible is Philemon and Paul. Philemon is actually its own book in the New Testament. Um, I recommend reading it. It takes like two minutes. Um, <laughs> It's really brief, but anyways, it, it it's a great example of a Christ-serving friendship. Um, so when Paul is in prison, writes his letter to Philemon, who's uh, leader of a small church, um, and what you see is that. Um, hold on, I'm gonna try to pull up the the book real quick. Um, but Philemon and Paul, Paul, like actually, is just. Um, admires Philemon a great deal Um, and so in this letter he writes in starting in verse 4 I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you brother Um, so just 
obviously, Paul Paul thinks very highly of Philemon, and he also prays for him. And I think you know we should do that with our friends. We should, whether even if it's not like going into great detail in the in the in the value of prayer, but just not forgetting about them when you uh, when you pray, just mentioning their name to God um, to look over them. Um, I think that's you know an important important sign of friendship, important thing to do for your friends. Um, you know, see that Paul has just in the words that he used has great joy and consolation in Philemon because of Philemon's love of Christ, which they both share in common. Um, and then secondly, the the letter is written with the intent to challenge Philemon to uh, take back this uh, servant of his that ran away from him, but now came to Christ with Paul, and Paul loves him, and then Phi, uh, and then Paul urges Philemon to accept back this former servant of his um, in Christ um, and to love him the way Paul does. So I think another another thing that friends do is they challenge one another. And, um, you know, Paul is bold in Christ to command Philemon, but it's fitting. That's what he's, that's the words Paul uses. And then in verse 17, Paul also says to Philemon, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me, um, so there's another part of challenging, uh, but it's not a it's not a self-serving friendship. It's rather with the purpose, you know, to serve Christ, uh, to challenge one another, to continue doing the work of Christ. Um, yeah, so I think Philemon is interesting. It's a cool little book, um, and I think the relationship between Paul and Philemon is, you know, just another great biblical example of friendship. I like yeah. that a lot. And actually, I think I feel like there are a lot of. Um, this is a whole book devoted to it, but kind of a lot of these little characters and later in the New Testament, um, well, not characters, but people who come along with like what Paul writes about, because I just looked it up um, in Second Timothy chapter four, we see, where am I looking here? Uh, this is just one example of many Um but like you have Paul saying, greet Priscilla and Aquila, which is another example of a friendship we could have done. Two uh, woman kind of apostles and later in the New Testament. I don't know if we know much about them, though, so it wouldn't have been enough for us to fill this time. <laughs> but he says, like, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get before. And our Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudens, Linus. Claudia and all the brothers and sisters <laughs> and earlier he says like do your best to come to me quickly for Demas because he loved this world <laughs> deserted me and gone to Thessalonica gotta so love the names like <laughs> some good but names Christus has gone to Galatia Titus to Dalmatia only Luke is with me get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry I sent Tychicus to Ephesus when you come bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and like the point is Paul has a bunch of friends, yeah, a bunch of people that are helping him in his ministry, and they seem to all be helping each other. So none of them are doing it alone. True. Yeah. The whole church is really working together across the whole of the Middle East right now, especially in the early days. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see how the brothers and sisters in Christ are cooperating and communicating. And we should do the same. Yes, we should. Paul doesn't do it alone. Neither should you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? Amen. It is the truth. And on that note, I think we're good to go here. Um, so to recap today, we hit on friendship, read Ecclesiastes to see what Solomon had to say about it. Then we looked at David and Jonathan, Ruth and Naomi, Jesus and Peter, the Good Samaritan, Paul and Philemon. <laughs> Paul and Philemon, and and you know, I think it's all about that selfless kindness, generosity, love, uh, humility, challenging your friends, you know. But find those friends because we're not meant to be alone out here. And obviously, in Ecclesiastes, we see friendship is better than loneliness. What was Jesus' favorite food? I think it should be. What is it? (laughs) 
Filet mayon. Filet mayon's favorite. Well, I'm I mean, about to say that or a fi lemon. A fi lemon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've had enough now for this episode. <laughs> and I'm going to say a quick prayer here at the end. <laughs> All right. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, the time we had to record this episode. I thank you for the friendship that uh, you've knitted between me, Peter, and Thomas. Not that we had a choice because we are all family members, but (laughs) (laughs) I guess you made that happen. So I thank you for that. I thank you for this podcast, everything that we talked about today. And uh, I pray for those who are listening, they got something out of this episode um, and that we could all take the lesson away to value our friendships and, you know, let our friends know that we care about them and truly care for each other um, because we see in your word that no one is meant to do it alone. In your name, amen. 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 All right. If you're listening uh, and you want to get in contact with us, you can follow us on Instagram, connect with us there, comment on our posts, send us a DM. We are at In The Fire Podcast, just spelled exactly how it sounds. And then you can also reach us via email at three in the fire at gmail.com, the number three in the fire at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We've heard from a couple of yes, you. Yes, we would. So we'd love to hear from some more. We like it. <laughs> we do. Give us some ideas on what to talk about. Yeah. I mean, we're open to any and all ideas. We are. There's a so. whole lot of Bible, so so much and with that i am going to sign off sayonara awesome it was a pleasure as always farewell as always